go ahead and stand up and put our hands together. We bless his name. He's worthy. Amen. some noise for the Lord this morning. Amen, amen. We're excited that you're here this morning, and we do want to encourage you, if this is your first time, if this is your hundredth time, we're here to, to do more than just read words off of a screen. We're here to experience the presence of the Lord. How many people believe in that this morning? So as we worship, as we sing these songs, as we lift our hands, I just want you to be encouraged. Man, we're serving and we're praising the living God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and he has all power. How many people believe that this morning? Amen. Y'all make some noise for the Lord this morning.
understand We won't be shaken We will not I got a mighty warrior I got a mighty warrior You're a consuming fire In victory you reign We triumph in your name Jesus the great commander praise he's worthy before we sing this next song i wanted to read a scripture to you right quick from exodus 33 and verse 15 it says this it says and he said unto him or said to him if your presence will not go with me do not bring us up from here that was moses talk of the lord you know and how many ever just feel that lord if your presence doesn't go i don't want to go 
I want to be where you're at, Lord, where your glory's at, where your presence at. So as we sing that song, just keep that thought in mind, Lord, I just want to be where you are, Jesus. I want to sing another song. Just to hear myself sing. I want to bring you more than empty words. So much more to me. I won't let the rocks cry out. They won't praise you more than me. If he doesn't touch your heart, Father, I don't want to sing. together wonderful powerful and merciful wonderful
your praise just a minute, Lord. You're wonderful. Come on, give him a big hand today. He is wonderful. Awesome is your name. Come on, close your eyes just a minute as we just pray together and give him some thanksgiving. Lord, we do acknowledge today and declare out loud, you are wonderful. Lord, you're kind to us. You're good to us. Come on, praise him right now. You watch over us when we sleep. You care for us. You mark out our pathways and days. You listen to every prayer. When we fall down, you help pick us up. And you've even called us your sons and your daughters. Come on, praise him for that today. Lord, you're, you're merciful. You're merciful, Lord, so when I'm going the wrong way, Lord, you find a way to turn me back. And when I come back, you receive me. You don't treat me as a stepchild, but you rejoice when I turn back. Lord, I want to thank you because a merciful God forgives sin. And I don't have to bury shame and condemnation. And, and I don't have to let the devil beat me up any longer. Because who whom the Son sets free is, is free indeed. You're merciful. You're merciful. Now just declare out of your lips, God, you're, you're powerful. There's, there's nothing, Lord, too difficult for you to do. There's no problem too big for you to fix. Uh, Lord, there's no mountain too big for you to help me get around, under, through, or, or below it. But you can help me. I just thank you, Lord, today. We welcome you. I want you to just say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you today. Welcome. We welcome your presence in our worship, but we welcome your presence in our life. What you're doing right now is what the Bible says in James, draw near to God and God draws near to you. So would you just ask him, say, Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Just like in the Bible. Come on, reach out to God right now. Just pray that. Say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit, just like they did in the Bible. Lord, I don't want just a little bit, but I want everything that you have for my life. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Wonderful. just drink in of his goodness today wonderful God wonderful Savior praise the Lord we're going to keep worshiping the Lord today but we want to make a special time to pray for you maybe you need a miracle moment in your life I mean no God's a miracle worker if you're here today and there's anything troubling you a big decision to make a bad report whatever the case may be listen God can do something about it and somebody here praying and believing will believe God for God's miracle and his direction in your life We'll pray for that. One thing in particular, as I was seeking the Lord yesterday, I was just sitting in front of the fire, just meditating and asking the Lord about our prayer time. And I believe I heard the Holy Spirit say to me very clearly, is there some people that have gotten a bad report and it's shaken them? Now, how many know a bad report could come from your spouse and say, I'm leaving? A bad report could come from your doctor. It could come from the CFO. It could come from a lot of places. But what it can do is it wants to undermine our faith. What we need going to pray today is we're going to believe that your faith would be strong. Come on. And God's faith would help you have an expectation that God's going to turn the bad report into a good report. So if that resonates with you, listen, that's a word of knowledge. Then let's respond to the Holy Spirit and believe he'll, he'll help you. So let's keep worshiping. Our prayer team is coming around the altar right now. They're here for you. They'll pray for anything. And all of us need prayer. So slip on up and let somebody pray for you and believe God with you. Struggle, haunted by ghosts that lived in my past. 
Hey, well, why don't you turn to two or three people that you've never met before and say, hey, I'm glad you're in the house of the Lord this morning. so glad you're here worshiping with us. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look is going to give you everything that you need to know about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide is going to give you plenty of opportunities for you to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. And if you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you. Drop it in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll get a free gift bag. Don't forget about Saturday night meals and snacks in between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. And the coffee bar is always open. We are so glad you are here. And we hope that you know there is always a place for you at Church on the Rock. is the prize of marriage. It's the prize. It's when you get intimacy, you got everything. There will never be a day in my life I don't love Karen Evans. I've made my mind up once and for all and I'll never change it. You have a 100% chance of success in marriage, but you have to do it God's way. The journey of life can be difficult. Here at Church on the Rock, we want to help your journey by connecting you to God, friends, ministry, and the world. We offer four classes on Wednesday nights to help you stay on course in your walk with God. Our Connect class is for anyone new to the church or just wanting to get more involved. It is a four-week class to help you learn about the church, help you get connected to God, and learn about your spiritual gifts. The Spirit-Filled Life four-week class will teach you how real friendship with the Holy Spirit can change your life. The four-week freedom class is designed to help you resolve conflict, break bondages, and renew your mind. The leadership class will teach you principles of leadership that you can apply in ministry, business, or in your home. Also, there is a one-time New Believers class at 11.15 on Sundays, meeting in the office reception area. When Jay Threadgill was here last weekend, he shared the need for $50,000 to build a children's building so the kids could move out of the tent that they were meeting in. They still needed $25,000 to complete the project. 
Praise God, our church responded and we sent a check for over $30,000 for the children's building. We're impacting the nations right here from Texarkana. We also have a men's construction trip planned for Haiti. It will be March 16th through the 22nd. There'll be an interest meeting Sunday, February 9th at 9 a.m. upstairs in the international room. Your fingerprint. No one else in the world has it. It's 100% you. God made you unique for a reason. And here at Church on the Rock, we want to help you be the best you. Our ministry guide is full of over 70 different classes, life groups, and outreaches that range from Bible studies to hot rods to crocheting. Our groups give you a chance to connect with people who care about you while going deeper in your walk with God in an environment that fits you. Check out our ministry guide for a complete list of our classes, life groups, and outreaches. And go to churchontherock.org to see a video description of each life group. Church on the Rock, a place for you. Well, amen. How we doing? Does anybody know what day it is? It's pump day. You should be pumped up when you come to the house of the Lord. Amen? And if it gets too full on Sunday, second service, come Saturday night. we got a great service Saturday night, a little more breathing room. So uh, a lot of new things in the chair in the back, front of, uh, right in front of you. First of all, there's a brand new Bible guide. Grab that and read with us two chapters a day. And our new ministry guide is in on the backs, all our children, youth, and 20s events. And on the other side is all our classes, our outreach, and all our groups that are going on. And we've got double groups in a lot of areas, so be sure to pick one up and read it. And a lot of things going on on a Wednesday night in here. We've got our core class. As a matter of fact, this Wednesday night uh, starts again our Connect class. If you're new to the church, haven't got involved, haven't went all in yet, uh, Wednesday night at 6.30, come to that class, only four weeks long. We've got other classes going on, not just in this church and a, a service in here, but what else is going on around the community? We have 27 groups going on. Some are here at the church, but most of them are in homes all throughout the community, marriage groups, parenting groups, prayer groups, teaching groups, just anything thing you would want. So be sure and pick this up and read it. So get connected and go all in. Say all in. All in. How many people in here are you rooting for the Patriots tonight? Ooh. Seahawks? You don't care? You, you just want some food. Amen. Wings. Well, hey, we are glad that you're here and uh, hopefully you'll have fun eating and watching commercials. Amen. Uh, it's offering time. If you have your Bible, Genesis chapter four, looking at verses three and four. Special shout out today to Pastor Zach Yeldell in the back. Show him some love. Yeah. It's his birthday. So, so love him. So anyways, uh, Genesis 4 says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the land, and Abel brought of the firstborn, say firstborn, of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but not Cain and his offering. He had no regard. This is an interesting story. And for a long time, I've thought about this. How come God accepted one brother's gift, but not the other brother's gift? And it's simple. It's because Cain didn't bring the first, but Abel brought the first. Amen. He didn't just bring some extra or whatever was left over or whatever he had at the end of the month. He brought his very best. And throughout scripture, it's clear, Old and New Testament, that God wants our first fruits. Amen. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 says this, every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. 
God's saying this, hey, the first of everything that you get, it's not yours, it's mine. And so when we give that to God, when we give our first fruits, man, we're giving back to God what he is owed, what we owe him, amen? Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I try to make these like deals with God. I try to negotiate with God. God, I know your word says this, but I'm feeling this. And we try to negotiate. You know, God, I know I should forgive them, but it's easier to talk about them. God, I know it's easier to maybe help the old lady cross the the street than pay my tithes, so I'm going to do that. Look, God wants us to give our first fruits. The Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. Some of us in here, we need to quit trying to be so sacrificial and be obedient. Amen? Look, God loves you, and he's all about first fruits because Jesus was a first fruit offering. The Bible says that God gave him before the foundations of the very earth that the lamb was slain. He gave his best. So look, God bless you as you give. It's the first of the month. Let's bless God with our tithes and offerings. Amen? Check the screen out for a cool video.
Praise the Lord. Hang on just a minute, kids, before you go to D groups. I want you to hear something. In 1973, it was January, so this is somewhat of a memorial. It's a sad memorial, as oftentimes they are. But the Supreme Court legalized by a margin of seven to two legalized abortion. They found, or they made up a right in the Constitution. It was in the 14th Amendment, but I've read the 14th Amendment, and it's not there. But they somehow found the right to illegal abortion in America. At that time, we didn't know what was really going on in the womb and when a baby really became a person, but there's no question about that now. You know, there was a day in America's past when, uh, as our Constitution was written, it was never intended to address every issue that would ever come up in America. But what undergirded the thinking of our founding fathers was the Bible. These men had a view of natural law, a view of biblical law, that, it, that that's kind of what they gleaned uh, truth from, and out of that our Constitution arose. But tragically, abortion is a part of our land. I am not here to make you feel bad if you are the one in two people that have been affected as I have by it. But I'm simply here to say God values life. I'm here to say today that life, whether it's a baby in the womb or whether it's an elderly person with, uh, with uh, 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 dementia or Alzheimer's that's in the nursing home and doesn't even know who their kids are, both have value in the eyes of God for this reason alone is because they're created in the image of God. And human life is almost, it's worth less than an, a bald eagle. It's worth less than a, you know, so many things in our culture that are protected more. But I would encourage you in this season to stand for life. It, there, it's particularly surveys have shown us that particularly among younger people, there's a greater recognition that abortion is indeed a moral sin. We're taught in our secular society today that what you saw in the video, uh, not very popular in the secular world, because they show that it's a human being that's alive there. If you're in ever a part of a, if you're ever a part of an unwanted pregnancy or know someone who is, listen, we'll love you in this church. We'll love that baby. If you decide not to keep that child, we'll help you find someone that will love that child because there's many people that would love to have a child in their home. As we look into America's future, it could be possible one day that the Supreme Court will once again rule on a similar case to Roe v. Wade. But certainly before us, there are issues like assisted suicide, euthanasia, mercy killings. And as the uh, health, new health insurance, when it comes into full, full vogue, uh, death panels. I mean, all these are issues of life. And the Bible calls us as Christians to stand for those who cannot stand for themselves. And it's my hope you'll join me in that fight. Come on, praise the Lord. Give him a good hand today. Okay, kids, you can go to D groups now. Well... I only have one question today. How can you have a Super Bowl if the Cowboys aren't in it? I don't know the answer to this question, but the jersey I'm wearing is not a football jersey. It's a Jesus jersey. Jesus Christ is my coach, and Ephesians 6 is my chapter. It's the armor of God that we're to put on. So it's the closest to a football outfit I could get today. Hey, we've been doing a series called All In. They've got a shot on the screen here, and you can see uh, you've got some chips. We've actually been handing some chips out with a church name on it. It's got All In. If you hadn't gotten one, you can pick them up in the lobby. Uh, and in spite of rumors you heard, we are not starting bingo in a casino in the church. We're not advocating gambling. It's just kind of a cool way to convey this sense of being all in. And this series, All In, it's been about, uh, I'm trying to challenge you to think about your relationship with Jesus Christ. 
I'm not asking you to be all in for the church. That's a good thing. But something better is being all in for Jesus. Because our relationship with Jesus is along a continuum. It can be, for example, uh, very casual. I go to church on Christmas, Easter. I go when I'm forced to go. Uh, it can be serious, your relationship with the Lord when you're in trouble. But when trouble's over, you kind of go back to normal. Or you could embrace the biblical model is I want Jesus Christ to be the most important person in my life. I, see, the great commandment was to love the Lord with all your heart. Come on, say all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. So that's kind of that's where we're headed in this series, all in. Now, the passage we're using, Matthew 13, verse 44, this is for the series. Jesus gave us this parable. And a parable is a natural experience, a story, something's happening that has spiritual implications. And this one is quite profound because there's probably about 10 or 12 where Jesus said what the kingdom of heaven is like. Now that's super important. That is the place where God rules, the place where God's approval and where God's blessing is. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he threw dirt back on it. He hid it again and he sold everything Everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. So now you have to think just a second. What does that mean? So the kingdom of heaven is to be so important, that's the treasure, Jesus is this treasure following him, that we'll do anything to obtain it. If I could maybe illustrate it this way, imagine you have lived in your home oh, 10 years, and every day you pass by this beautiful home that's the home of your dreams. It's a remodeled farmhouse and they did it first class. I mean, wood is everywhere. The landscaping is immaculate. Uh, they've got a horse barn. They've got a garden. They've got a shed. I mean, and this old guy that lives there and he's all by himself. Well, lo and behold, he dies and one day you see a sign that says they're having an auction. Uh, no, no, uh, it's for sale and they put the sign in and it's, let's say it's $400,000 as is furniture, everything. Well, you just want to at least look at it because you know you can't afford $400,000. But yet you go in the house and the realtor says, yeah, just walk around the house. I'm going to sit in the car and return some phone calls. Well, you look under the stairwell and there's, you, you find a little drawer hidden, you know, kind of like the National Treasure kind of movies. And you find a little drawer and you open it up and you peer inside. You turn your iPhone on, your flashlight in there. There's 500 bars of gold hidden in that compartment. And I'm not talking about the little bitty ones. I'm talking about the big ones. 500. Of course, you shut it real quick. You look around, see if anybody's looking. But now you say, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but somehow I'm going to find $400,000 because there's treasure that's here. I'll sell everything, I'll, anything I have to do other than stealing. I'll do anything in my power because I want that house because there's value in it more than the $400,000. That is exactly what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's going to cost us more sometimes than we're willing to pay. It could be as simple as paying your tithe. It could be as costly as going on a missions trip. I don't know what it may be, but anything God God asks us to do is the treasure in the field. And I'll tell you, my friends, it's worth it to do whatever we have to to get it. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Well, that's kind of what the series is about. Now, today, let's go back to the poker game illustration. Uh, it, you know how it feels just put your chips all in? Anybody know that feeling? Well, I don't. I don't have any clue. But let's all practice it together. Let's just kind of do that right now like you're putting all your chips in. Well, look, the chips in, in, in the kingdom of God are not little plastic things. Here's what it is. It's my time, my talent, and my treasure. 
Let me say it again. When I go in for Jesus all in, I'm putting all in with my time as he asks for it, with my talent as I have available to give it, with my treasure as I have opportunity to invest it. So let's talk about it this morning. The title is Time, Talent, and Treasure, Part 1. And we're going to look at two two, uh, brothers in Christ that actually did this in the New Testament. One was Ananias and one was Luke. Let's begin Acts chapter 9 and let's talk about Ananias. Ananias went all in with his time. Let's go to Acts chapter 9, verse 10, which, by the way, our notes are online when you get here. If you happen to get to church, you can bring your iPad. If you've got a big phone, you can look at them and just read along. But Acts chapter 9, verse 10, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. Now, the really cool thing about this story is is this is all we know about this guy, just a believer. He's not an apostle. He's not a super apostle. He's not a deacon. He's just a brother in Christ, just like you and just like me, which makes me believe that what God did for him, God can do for me. But look at this story. He had an incredible relationship with God. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, and and he said, Ananias. Well, he knew the voice of the Lord. He said, yes, Lord. And the Lord said, go over to Straight Street. Notice how specific. Go to the house of Judas and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. Now, isn't this incredible that God has the ability supernaturally to be able to talk to one man in a vision about another man who's praying to God right now, and God's trying to get the two of them together, and God's doing some communicating here. Well, verse 13, he gave a common answer. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I'm too busy. Can't you see? I'm going to the gym right now. It's in the Bible. Well, not really, but I'm going to the gym right now, and after I go to the gym, I've got to go and put some more corn in the deer feeder because I don't want my deer wandering off to my neighbors. And after I get that, I'm going to barely have time to get to Sam's so I can buy some food for the football game. So, Lord, you'll have to use somebody else. Now, that's not in the Bible. Now, let me clearly say, there's nothing wrong with food in uh, corn and deer feeders. The turkeys like it. We appreciate it. Continue to do it. Invite me to go with you along about April. Nothing wrong with corn and deer feeders. Nothing wrong with Super Bowl parties and fun at Sam's. And Nothing wrong with going to the gym. It's a good thing. But the problem lies is when God wants a little of our time and we don't quickly tell him yes. Now, let's keep reading the story as it actually happened. Verse 13. <laughs> now, Ananias did have a but Lord. But Lord, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. Now, here's the deal. Paul was a dedicated Jew. He was a Pharisee, which means he was up in the the Jewish society in a pretty good way. But he was like these radical Islamists, man. He was killing people. I mean, he thought he was doing a favor, like they killed Jesus. Now we're going to kill the rest of them. And this man was religious but deceived. And here's the wonderful thing. God loved him in the midst of his deception. So as you think about these Muslim terrorists, what they need is they need mass conversion. Because when you're converted to Christ, you turn from a religion of hatred to a religion of love and peace. That's the real need. You know, uh, uh, General MacArthur, after World War II, he pleaded with the church in America. You research this. Pleaded with the church. After Japan's emperor, who was thought to be God, was dethroned, there was a huge spiritual vacuum, and he went and appealed to America for Americans to send as many missionaries and Bibles as they could to Japan. Can you imagine America doing that today? No way. We just want to extend our hand and negotiate while they're trying to get in and take over our country. That's extra. Nothing to do with the Bible. Just a little reality and fact about life. Where was I? 
Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Many people talking about the terrible things he's done. Now, what Ananias doesn't know is that God had a plan for Saul's life. He appeared to him in the middle of the day. He has a vision. He's blinded. He, he's knocked from his horse. He falls to the ground, and now somebody's led him by the hand, and don't you know he's praying? Well, in uh, and, and verse 14, he's authorized to arrest everyone who calls on your name. Here's the cost. See, there's treasure in the field, but there could be a cost to pay that's pretty significant. But the Lord said, verse 15, go. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument. Well, verse 17, now this is pretty incredible. Ananias went and he found Saul. He laid his hands on him. He didn't grab him by the neck and he didn't push him over, but it's, it was a prayer, a spiritual impartation of prayer. That's why we place our hands on people in an appropriate way because it's a belief that there's an impartation of, of, of the Holy Spirit's presence. Well, anyway, uh, he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, not his gift, has sent me so you might regain your sight, in other words, physical healing, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It happened, and then in verse 18, he gets up and he's baptized. Now, we don't know anything about Ananias except the fact, as I said, he's a deeply spiritual man. He's had visions, healings, the baptism in the Spirit. Uh, number two, he obeyed the Holy Spirit when it was dangerous. Now, that's a pretty key thing that we know about him. He was taking a risk. There was a cost. There was a price to pay for this treasure. But number three, and here's the focus, he gave his time to do what the Lord was asking him to do. Because he had to say yes to the Lord because it probably, he was probably with him a number of days. After his conversion, the Bible says that he introduced him to the disciples and he was with the disciples many days. So it's fair to suspect that Ananias invested a somewhat significant amount of time and it interrupted his schedule, but he welcomed it because his time was the Lord's. Amen. See, it's a difference between knowing Christ as Savior and knowing him as Lord. To know Christ as Savior means I want to go to heaven when I die. To know Him as Lord means that I want you to be number one in my life here on earth. And it's not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. Because the best life you'll ever live is the life that you've lived when Christ is the Lord of your life. Now, little did they know, Saul of Tarsus would one day become Paul the Apostle. And Paul the Apostle was arguably the greatest apostle that ever lived on this earth. Uh, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He, 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 he is responsible for more people being saved on planet Earth than any other person alive because God chose him to go to the non-Jewish people or the Gentiles, and that includes us. If you were to track our spiritual lineage all the way back, you could trace it to the Apostle Paul. Now, I want you to imagine this. All this is going on. What if God, what if Ananias had told God no because he was busy with other things? I'll tell you what would have happened. He would have missed one of the greatest opportunities for significance in his entire life. You see, when the gym is over, listen, you're going to die anyway. Jack LaLanne, if you're old enough to remember him, he's dead. He was a health guru. Every health guru dies. Come on. I mean, the gym is good, but th there's no value in that. Listen, you can't take turkey, tur uh, turkey tails or turkey feathers or anything to heaven with you. I mean, you know, there's no turkey jerky in your coffin. I mean, all these things on earth are short-lived, but what's done for Christ is celebrated for all eternity. Now, we know it, but if you're like me, it's hard sometimes to give God the time that he asks for. I don't care if it's roll out of bed early and pray for somebody. 
Emily's having surgery, brain surgery, a young 18-year-old girl on Wednesday. What if the Lord woke you up uh, early Wednesday morning and said, would you pray for her a half hour? That's time. And, and to go all in, I have to be willing to give up some sleep. Well, what if the Lord uh, interrupted you and, and, and wants you to go on a missions trip with Jason to Haiti? He said, well, you know, I've only got, you know, whatever, two weeks of vacation, and that would take a week, and, and then I could only spend a week in Florida rather than two weeks. Maybe, but is the eternal more important to you? Is the treasure in the field more important? We all live there. I'm very selfish. With my time, I, I, I have a list, and I never get to the bottom of it, and I'm a little OCD. Anybody else in here understand what I'm talking about? You just gotta kind of get everything. To, well, at some point, though, the big question is, and I want to ask you this today. This week, how much time did you invest in things that are eternal versus things that are temporary? Now, I love, to, uh, I love the outdoors. I love to garden. I was raised on a farm. I mean, I'm already going at it in my garden, trimming things and tilling and all that, weed eating, chopping leaves and planting flowers and all that. Well, you know what? W when there's a new heaven and a new earth, all that's gone. Now, hear me now. H have a great lawn. That's a great hobby to have. But there's a difference between a hobby that has limited value on earth and obedience to the Lord that has eternal value, come on, for all eternity. So I, I'm challenging you this morning with this idea about your time because time is our greatest commodity. We've all got only 24 hours. We can't do more than that. And there's only so much and we've got to sleep some. But when the Lord asks for my time, come on, how many know we want to be quickly say yes? I want to say, Lord, I am in all the way on my time. So could we just decide right now that when the Lord asks me to do something, I'm going to give him the time he asked for? I don't care if it's time to, uh, to, to host a, a, a small group, to go to the jails, whatever it may be, to pause, to, to witness, uh, to, to go to a Saul of Tarsus, but whatever it is, could we just decide today and tell the Lord afresh, Lord, that's what I want to be able to do. I want to be all in with my time. Now, now, see, that doesn't mean you have to give up the rest of your life, but it simply means I want to seek first the kingdom of God, come on, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to me. It could be something like this. You could be maybe, a, say, tomorrow. And tomorrow you're, you're going, to, uh, going home and the kids are already texting, Mom, what's for dinner? I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And you had to work a little late. So you thought, you know what? I'll, I'll stop by Albertsons and I'll get one of those uh, roasted chickens. Anybody, anybody like those? You know, Lord? Yeah, they're primo. We eat them all the time. So... And as, you, and as you, you know, zoom out of the car and you get it in there, you're moving kind of quick and you notice there's a, there, there's, there's a gentleman in front of you. And uh, you think, well, and it just, it's almost like kind of a God connection. And it's not because he's cute or anything like that, but you just feel kind of the burden of the Lord, I'll say that. Well, for whatever reason, you, you, the two of you are kind of making the same pathway through, the, through Albertsons. And uh, the, the, every time you look at him, you just feel this burden. And then you just sense something on the inside saying, the Lord wants me to talk to him and just tell him that God loves him and has a plan for his life. And you think, oh, God, no, because he'll think I'm flirting with him. And I'm not, I've been there before. And I'm going to walk up. If I do, I walk up with my ring like that so he can. Or, or you think. Oh, that is so stupid. He'll call security, and security will take me away because he, he, he'll think I'm trying to hit on him, and, and I'm just not, not, not going to do that. That's going to be the most embarrassing thing that could ever happen. And anyway, these kids keep texting me, and I just don't have time to do this. But all the time, the Holy Spirit is saying, just talk to him. Just walk up to him and just take two minutes of time and tell him, sir, you may think this is a bit strange, but I believe in God.
And I believe the Lord has, told, has asked me to tell you that he loves you very, very much and he has a plan for your life and that if you'll just offer your life to him, you'll have hope for the future. And that's all it was. And he's going. And you, you say, thank you. I got to go. My kids are waiting. L unbeknownst to you, he was planning on committing suicide. And that very morning when he woke up, he had the pills, he had the gun, he was going to make his decision. But he just prayed a prayer. You see, he had, was an atheist because he had a bad experience with God. His dad died when he was a boy and he never got over it. And he prayed a prayer that morning. He said, God, if you're real, would you send somebody to talk to me today? Amen. But when we walk in the store, we're busy. And I'm just as busy as you are, but all I'm saying is, if God wants a little bit of my time, let's give it to him, huh? Come on. Because it's treasure in the field. And whatever the cost of the price is, I want to pay it. Okay, that's Ananias. So again, we're all in with our time, but we want to be all in with our talent. Let's talk about this now from Luke. Uh, Luke went all in with his, his talent. And when I use the word talent, I'm using it very broadly. I'm not just talking about your ability to play baseball, but I'm talking about anything you know how to do well. Uh, any, you could have gone to school to learn the trade. You could be a dentist and, and, and you know how to do dentistry. Uh, you know, it could be, it could be sports. So you coach a team. Uh, it could be, you know, you're good at carpentry so you can do things, but we're talking about talents. Now Colossians 4, 14, uh, Paul wrote this letter to the church at Colossae and he had two traveling companions, a man named Demas and a man named Luke. But I want you to notice something significant. Colossians 4, 14, Luke, good friend and you see, when I do this, it doesn't mean that, that I can't hear because I'm old. It means I want you to say the next word, okay? It's on the screen. So Luke, good friend and physician. So Luke was a doctor. They both send greetings. Now think about this guy, Luke, just a second. He traveled with Paul. So when Paul planted churches all over the Med, most of those trips, Luke was there. When Paul would get persecuted, rocks thrown at him. Luke could be in the way of a rock too. Uh, Luke somehow found time to write the gospel of Luke plus the book of Acts. And he wrote it not to a large group of people, but he wrote it to Theophilus, a man named Theophilus, and now it's in the Bible. Uh, more than likely, he helped Paul with his physical problems. We read in the pages of Scripture that Paul probably had some kind of eye disease, so not unheard of to think you'd have a personal physician traveling with you. Uh, it's very possible that when they went to a city, they didn't have money. Paul was a tent maker. He'd make tents, and Luke would work doctoring a little bit. Uh, it's possible that when uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, Timothy had some illness and he said, take a little wine for your stomach's sake and often infirmity. Now, he wouldn't say, go to the beer store today. He'd probably say, go to the pharmacy, okay, just to be clear with that. But they didn't have good drinking water. But anyway, the point of all this is, Luke was a doctor writing prescriptions and he was a believer investing his life in the kingdom of God. Let me say it again. He was a doctor writing prescriptions, but he was also a believer advancing God's kingdom. Now, let me ask you a question. Why do you have a job? Why do you work? Well, is he stupid? I thought he was fairly bright until now, but what a stupid question. I have a job because I need money. This is exactly my point. You may need money, but your job is not just for money. Your job is a platform for you to influence people. 
See, because you're going to come in contact with people in the insurance business, for example, that I'll never meet face to face. They'll never know me. They'll become friends with you. They'll become vulnerable with you. They'll talk with you and, and, and your role with them, your honesty, your character sets you apart from other people. If you're a plumber and you do good work, you tell the truth, you're ethical, they've learned to trust you. Well, all of a sudden you've built a rapport, but that rapport is not just so that they can give you their credit card. That rapport is so that you can have a platform to speak to them about Christ. Uh, how about coaches? I mean, ball season is fixing to erupt around us pretty quick here, and they're looking for coaches. Well, guess what? The best coaches are always asked first. And you know why? Because everybody wants the trophy, and they want the coach to give us the trophy. If you don't believe that's true, why do you think they fire coaches so quickly in college and, and, uh, college and uh, professional football? You don't win, we don't want you. But the reason a Christian is a coach is not just for the trophy. It's not a bad thing. But it's so I'll have a platform to influence these young kids and their parents. I'll have a platform to shape young lives. Because you see, when you offer God your talent and you go all in, you're not just trying to get the trophy. Well, well how about this? How about if you are, uh, have carpentry skills? And I don't mean you're like me and bend every third nail. I mean, you got it going on. I mean, you can do the corners and the cuts. And I mean, you can come up with literally pieces of art. Now, here's my question. Are you using all your talent just to remodel your house and then sell it and then remodel it and sell it and remodel it and sell it? Or do you squeeze in a missions trip every once in a while and go help build a church on the foreign field? See, all I'm saying, I'm not saying stop being a doctor if you're Luke. I'm saying just use it as a platform for God's kingdom whenever God opens the door. Ooh, I'm preaching better than you're amening this morning. Now, here's the spiritual principle. God gives us, let me say it again, God gives us desires, skills, and abilities, and he wants us to use them to advance his kingdom. You see, the same one when we saw in the video about the DNA, God, listen, my feelings get hurt periodically because when they ask people to sing special songs and to play in the band, I never get asked. Don't laugh too loud, okay? I'll ask you either. But <laughs> that's just not my thing. But when it comes time to do a funeral and someone's child has died, I get a phone call. See, we all have abilities that God gives us. And, and, and if you have a knack at something, you're good at it. Even if you've gone to school, it's easy to say, this is me and this is what I do. But yet God somehow has, has given me the ability, come on, to do chemistry or to do whatever or to do, you know, some higher level of mathematics so I can get fostered into a career. Look what Peter says, 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received from God, this keeps us humble, to serve other people. And as we do this, we're being a faithful steward of God's grace in its various forms. Uh, Exodus 35. Now, this is Old Testament. It's Moses. They're wandering in the wilderness, the children of Israel. And now God wants to build a tabernacle. It's kind of like the church in the wilderness. Well, look what Scripture says. The Lord has filled a man named Bezalel with the Spirit of God. And he prophesied and had words of knowledge and words of wisdom. Is that what it says? No, it says God gave him great wisdom, ability, and expertise 
He was a craftsman. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. And where did it come from? God. Did he have to develop it? Yes. Did he have to practice? Yes. Was it legitimate to make money from it? Absolutely. But did God want to use it for his kingdom? Absolutely. And guess who is responsible for training the people and actually constructing the greatest church, come on, that the world had ever known at that time? It was a man named Bezalel, and God put a gift in his hand, and he decided, like Luke, I'm not just going to write prescriptions, come on, but I'm going to advance the kingdom of God with what God has given me. Give the Lord a good hand this morning. Let's uh, kind of wrap up with one more parable that Jesus told. Again, we're talking about all in with our talent. This Matthew 25, uh, Jesus gave us probably 10, maybe 12 kingdom of heaven parables to help us understand what his place where he's ruling is like. And uh, this one is called the parable of the talents. Now, in the older translations, talent was a measure of money and uh, uh, as opposed to what we think a talent is. But yet the application here is what do I do with what God has given me? And I think you'll, you'll get something out of this. Uh, in Matthew 25, 14, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated like this. In other words, we're going to take a natural thing that's going on and you tell you a, a spiritual truth. It's the story of a man going on a long trip. Now, who do you think the man on the long trip is? Yeah, it's Jesus. Jesus going to heaven, but he's coming back to earth one day. All right. He called together his servants. And who's his servants? It's us. And he entrusted his money to them. What does money represent? It represents whatever God has given us that can be used to advance his kingdom. Okay, so now we understand the spiritual parallels. And here's how it unfolded. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last guy. And notice what it says dividing it in proportion to their abilities, which tells us very clearly, God does not compare me to you and you to him and him to him and him to him. God looks at me to me. And if, he's, if I'm a five-talent man, God expects a five-talent return. If I'm a two-talent man, God expects a two-talent return. And if I'm a one-talent man, God expects a one-talent return. Imagine your child, let's say your child is maybe, oh, I don't know, maybe they're three or four, your grandbaby there, and, and uh, she comes over to the house, and, and it's time to clean up the table, and uh, uh, she wants to help. Well, you're going to use paper plates for a while, and you're probably going to let her use the paper plates that the men have eaten off of because they're all empty. But you let her do what she can do, and she takes that paper plate and put it in the garbage, and you clap your hands. Well, she's a one-talent woman at that time, but she's going to grow up into a ten-talent woman. You know what I'm talking about? So, so wherever we are is what God expects of us. Now, verse 19, the master returned. Who is that? Jesus, Jesus coming back to this earth. Now, listen, and he's not coming as a baby next time. He's coming as judge, and people will give an account of their lives to him. So the master returns, and he called them to give an account of how they use their money. Let me tell you this, friends, very clearly today. God will call you and I into account of what we did with what he gave us. This is big. This has tremendous potential for blessing, but also the flip side. Well, the servant who had entrusted five bags of silver said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I've earned five more. Now look at verse 21. Would you say this with me? It says... 
Well, they can't do it until they put it up there, huh? Come on here, verse 21 there. There we go. Here we go. That could be you. That could be you if you're all in with your talents for God. Well done. But look at this. Now, this is pretty cool. He said, uh, you've been faithful in handling this small amount, which means life on earth is just a test. So now I'm going to give you more responsibilities. Let me tell you, friend, what, heaven is not just a place where you play harps and tambourines. There's going to be something to do in heaven. There's going to be jobs to give in. Probably there'll be turkeys to be hunted. There will be no limit on ducks. I don't know what it's going to be like, but there'll be no leases. Come on. There'll be no sticker weeds and no snakes and no alligators. So, 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 so we're hoping for the best, and of course the worst will not be there. But there's going to be something for you to do in heaven. And based on what you did on earth will determine what happens in heaven. Now, it's just, it's just basic Bible. Oh, let's see. Where are we there? Uh, verse 20, uh, verse uh, 22, the servant who received two bags of silver said, Master, you gave me two bags, and I've earned two more. And what did the master say? Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, look at verse 24. There's a shift. The servant with one bag of silver said, I was afraid I'd lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. The servant with the one bag said, I was just too busy between going to Sam's, putting deer in the corn, corn in the deer, corn in the deer feeder, and going to the gym, and I just didn't have time to do it. I was just too embarrassed to talk to that person in Albertsons that day. And if you say no to God long enough, is it just possible he'll quit asking? I think it's possible. So he gave all these excuses, whatever they were, and now this is tragic, verse 26. The master replied, you wicked and... Lazy servant. So here's a selfish man. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given to them. Now this is biblical wealth redistribution. In our, <laughs> in our culture, we even heard the State of the Union, all the wealthy people are the bad people, and they're supposed to, we're supposed to take it from them and give it, you know, give it to the people that need it, and the government will do this for us handily at a cost 200% greater than it would be if it was handled in the private arena, but that doesn't matter because we're the good guy. Listen, come on, come on, come on now. The Bible says is rewarding people that are industrious, and he says those who do nothing, and this is sad, even with what little they have will be taken away. And then verse 30, throw that useless servant into outer darkness where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, hell is a very real place, and this is a super tragedy. But the one, listen, this is, the lessons are real clear in this parable. I'm going to wrap it up. Number one, God expects us to use what he's given us to advance his kingdom. Just like that little girl is going to be, or the little boy is expected to take the plates and put them in the garbage, God expects us to act where we are. The second thing, God will reward us for faithful service. And the lastly, the tragedy is he'll punish those who waste what God has given them. Let me close with this, and we're going to have a closing song and prayer. But Jesus said, we'll go back to Matthew 13, that God's kingdom is worth whatever sacrifice I have to make for the treasure in the field. Remember Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven. Come on, say it with me. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again and he sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. You know what? It was the pearl of great price. 
It was that beautiful home that was outside of his price range. But it's the treasure that Jesus offers us. And my friends, what God calls you to do, what God asks you to do, the opportunities that God brings before you, if you'll be all in with your time and all in with your treasure, come on, you'll buy that treasure in the field. And one day he'll say to you, "Good, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on, we're fixing to have some fun. Give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy, worthy of all our praise. Hey, why don't you stand to your feet right now, and I want to just encourage you to just allow the Holy Spirit just a moment to settle some things in your heart. Let me tell you something I know from another parable. Remember the parable Jesus told about the parable of the sower? Remember how seed was sown, and the seed was like the Word of God, and it fell in four places? Stay with me now on this one. First place the seed fell was in the pathway, and the birds came and gobbled it up. And then he explained what it meant. He said, those birds was the devil himself. And when people heard the word of God and they didn't grab it and act on it, the devil came and took it out of their hearts. So what does that mean, Pastor? It means when you leave here and you go home or you go to the restaurant and somebody said, how was church? You said, it was good. What did the preacher talk about? Well, I don't know, but it was sure good. <laughs> what happened to you? The devil stole it away. And all we've done this morning is just opened the Bible and seen how God said, let me tell you what the kingdom of heaven is like. And we talked about time and talent. But my big question is this, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you personally of how to apply this? Ask him just a minute. We're going to sing this song through one time and, uh, and then we're going to go home. But why don't you just bow your head and you can sing it if you like or meditate just a moment. But just say, Lord, what are you saying to me? about my time and about my talent. Because all the saints and angels bow before your throne. Slip your hands to heaven with me as we worship. Before the this song is from the book of Revelation. This is happening in heaven. You are worthy of it all. Come on, sing it. You are worthy, worthy of it all. You are worthy, worthy of, of it all. Just bow your head a minute, and I want you to just talk to God. I've said what I needed to say, but why don't you just have a little prayer with God and just say something like this, Lord, I want to be all in. I just see my hands moving forward all in with my time and all in with my treasure. 
And that doesn't mean I'm all in with my talent. Doesn't mean I quit my job. Doesn't mean I sell my house. But it simply means, Lord, you got first dibs. And I want to be the kind of person that says yes to you just like Ananias. Because look what it did for him. And I just ask you to help me when I'm selfish. Help me, Lord, when I'm distracted. And Holy Spirit, just shape me into the man that can just be just like Ananias, a regular old Christian believer, but getting people healed, filled with the Spirit, having visions, hearing God, but doing things that'll last for all eternity. That's the kind of life I want to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give him a big hand today. We love the Lord. We love the Lord. Listen, so honored that you came today. Again, next week, you know, first service is more room. Saturday night's more room. But let's close with this one last song in prayer. Because I always know that there's some people that missed the first prayer. Maybe they felt they should have come, but there's still a burden out there we could pray with you about. But here's what else I know. I know that there's people that were impacted in the message and need to respond. Because likely some of you heard something from the Holy Spirit asking for your time, asking for some use of your talent, but you know it's going to be hard. And you may need to come to someone just to say it out loud and say, hey, I want you to pray for me. God just told me, I don't know what, that he wants me to fill in the blank. Would you pray that I can do that? Man, that would be great. But most importantly, if you're here today and say, Pastor, my relationship with God is not where it needs to be. Now hear me, I, I talk to Christians today, but maybe you're not a Christian. You believe some Christian things, but, you know, just if you stand by the railroad track and watch the Amtrak train, you, you know, something's missing there. You've got to go to the station and get on that train before you can move where Amtrak will take you. And being a Christian has a starting place where you surrender your life to Christ, where you ask for His forgiveness, and you put your life in His hands and you begin to follow Him. Maybe that's what you need today. Or, or maybe you've done that in the past and you walk with God, but you got away. Somehow it just happened, you found yourself away from God, but you've sensed His presence and you want to make a fresh commitment to Christ. We'd be honored to pray with you today. We'll pray for you. We'll give you something that'll help you in your spiritual journey. So whatever it is, we're going to begin to sing now and our prayer team is going to come to the front. And if you want prayer for any of these things, come on up as the prayer team comes. You want prayer, just come on up here. Something you heard in the message, committing your life to Christ, whatever it may be, you come and somebody will pray for you and we'll believe God will do some wonderful things in your life. Listen, I love you. We'll sing it one time and Pastor Michael dismiss. 